Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Strange Road. What's up? Yeah, this is episode 21, Bob. What do you think about that? Get out of here. Absolutely. Legal legal age of uh, YouTubing. (laughs) All right. That's right, baby. That's That's what I'm talking about. Uh, What's up, everybody in the chat? How are you guys doing? Uh, It's great. Awesome. Uh, to be with you guys Strange again. Strange crew is loading up. Um, people are already Hop on you know, the fun bus. Ready to go. Yeah. So we uh, love it. We I'm your host, it. Mikey. Of course, this is Bub, always riding shotgun. How you doing? And Stoner and Disbro back in Master Control, making everything look and sound awesome as always. You know what they're doing back there? What are they doing? TCOB. Taking care of business. That's right, buddy. You know, that is right. That's exactly what they're doing. And, uh, you know, thanks to everybody in the chat, everybody that's been listening. Absolutely. Um, you know, always uh, make sure you hit like on this video. We appreciate and, it. And uh, if you like our show, share the show. Yeah, I don't think we've said that one before or, or kind of mentioned that, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, tweet it, retweet it if you can yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. We Push it out appreciate there. that too because it just helps our kind of reach and awareness yep. level. Yep, absolutely. Um, but guys, we have a phenomenal show tonight. Uh, this I is... wish I had a seatbelt. I would buckle then. <laughs> I've been keeping you in the dark because, <laughs> Bub, every time you're really in the dark, you always have the best questions and I, you, I like that, you know, you're going to be surprised by the conversation in the direction. So I like that on a high level, uh, I'll kind of try to guide us, but really I, I just want to hear what our guest, Adam Russell, uh, That's Adam right. is an explorer, ecologist, educator, and, uh, he does regenerative land management, I'm uh, utilizing, yeah. uh, Agni Hotra, mm-hmm. other uh, type of techniques, uh, but Agni Hotra is this ancient uh, Vedic ceremony uh, practice cool. using chanting. Obviously, I'm going to let Adam talk to us more about that. Yeah. But um, one of the um, when we met Adam, he was giving a presentation on Agni Hotra. We had never heard of this, so we've Myself kept in contact yeah. over the years. And so I want to uh, bring in our guest now. Let's do it, Adam Russell. Adam, how the heck are you, man? What's up? Oh, man, I'm doing so good. Thanks so much for having me on here. It's super fun. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so interested. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. So Adam, we met in 2018 at Tribal Eyes. Uh, you were one of the, it was a time when we were getting ready to set up for uh, an interview and we okay. were in the, the presentation room and Adam was in there giving his presentation. Right. And I sat through the whole thing. And for I didn't watch a single presentation the entire time because we're working. Right, right. We just had this perfect window where I got to watch one presentation. A little synchronicity. And it was Adam's wow. on Agni Hotra. And we immediately after he was done uh, speaking, I, you, I walked right down there and introduced myself. With do, you remember, do you remember what like really triggered you first off? Was it just right off rip? I just, just never heard of any of this right, stuff. Right. Myself, that, that's what gets me going because I'm, yeah. I, I love the concept of regenerative, you know, like uh, a living. Um, I, I just saw a video again the other day that I just love the concept of if you live by a body of water that's moving fast enough. They have these like arms with a water wheel on it. Right. And as that water goes by, it's mm-hmm. just, the water's just moving the paddle, but there's your electricity. You right. know what I mean? You can do it at small Go scales. I'm not Am- saying Amish it's going to, yeah, not saying it's going to yeah. power, you know, an entire city, but there are ways that you can lessen that impact in, in, in very quick fashion sometimes, you know? Yeah. 
Um, but, but y- you know, Adam, we, you know, first of all, I want to hear a little bit about you, uh, where you, yeah. where you, uh, come from, where you live, um, a little bit about yourself and then we can kind of get into, um, you know, how you found Agni Hotra and regenerative land management and yeah. bringing land back to life. I like the sound of that. Oh, wow. You know, when I, when I saw the name of your podcast, I just laughed out loud because that's exactly what, <laughs> yeah. what it's been. You know? yeah. That's great. That's great. You, you can identify. Absolutely. I was like, it has been a strange road yeah. to, to find this path. And I feel like, you know, it's always that question of if you, if you look where someone's at at the end of the road, you're like, ah, that's, that's a really strange place to be. What, what's going on there? But if yeah. you know, you follow step by step, you're like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. If, if those, <laughs> that series of events that happened to me too, I'd probably be in that same place. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I spent tons of time outside as a kid, tons of time just wandering through the woods. Um, and so always interested in ecology. And, um, as soon as I got into ecology in university, the thing that I loved about it was it was the first time that I'd heard people talk about, it's not about the thing. It's about the relationship, the invisible relationship between the two things. Mm -hmm. And in any ecology, it's not about the two things. It's about the 10 or the 20 or the 40, relationships that you can't see in between the things. Mm -hmm. And so from early on, I was just super curious about all the stuff we can't see and how important those relationships are. And so that was kind of the guiding kind of a modus operandi of, of everything that I looked into. It was kind of follow what feels good. Um, you know, that whole, uh, cheesy follow your heart thing. And so, right. Um, it's not cheesy. You know, you know, it's, it's just a cliche no, because it's, it's true. Right. Right. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, after school, it was very much this feeling of, uh, everyone asked, you know, what are you going to do with an ecology degree? Well, and I started looking around and pretty much in order to get a master's degree, you, I was basically going to be studying some, ecological system somewhere on planet earth in mm. decline somehow. Right. <laughs> I was like, well, that <laughs> doesn't feel like a great use of right. time and resources. Go hang There's out in some a- scab land or just, you know, exactly some lab counting eggs of something. Right. Um, so, you know, after school, I, I just went, uh, moved up and became a naturalist up in the North Cascades National Park, which is one of the absolute wilderness gyms in the lower 48 states. You know, most heavily glaciated national park outside of Alaska. It's it's an unbelievable place. And so I just, yeah, I just wandered in that place as a naturalist learning and then teaching what I was learning to kids and adults for about five years. Um, just exploring and wandering and, and just being in the deep wilderness. Uh, cause it seemed like if I was going to find any form of real truth in the world, it seemed like all the people who you read about that were of significant consequence all disappeared into the wilderness for some significant amount of time. Yep. Reconnect. So I was like, all right, exactly. Yeah. Been yeah. there. Been Get there. Grounded. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I, I, I took it. And, um, 
when I was up in this place, um, a group called a uh, remote medical international would come up and they'd teach uh, a remote emergency medical technician course. And so I took that course and started teaching and working as an, as an emergency medical technician. And so in the back of my mind, I was always, you know, looking at things through an ecological context, but now I had this new skill set of assessment algorithm. And then depending on once you get all the information, how do you treat a living system? You know, okay. human being obviously is an EMT, but um, I just always kind of looked at the natural world as okay, how do we assess where we are and then treat that with the appropriate tools? Right. Um, sure. And um, so I worked with Remote Medical International for about 10 years, traveling all over the world, uh, seeing cool. a lot of different wild places. Um, and it was always in the back of my mind of how do we assess and treat a living ecology? And when I really dug around, there weren't a whole lot of functional, useful, cheap, available tools that I could find. All of it was, you know, write a $50,000 grant and then travel somewhere that's bulky and expensive and laden with expensive equipment. And so I just was mm -hmm. always curious about like, how can we improvise? How can we innovate with tools and junk and garbage um, and, uh, and find some real solutions with locally available resources? And so I just got super curious about how other people were growing food. Yeah. Um, and any time I ever found someone who, who, was, who was using some method that was different than anything uh, I'd come across yet. I would just dig in deeper, you know, as, as right. you do, you just follow the road, mm -hmm. follow the strange road and <laughs> drop down the wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. I love it. It's so true. I mean, so when you started going that route and, and kind of what I always call it is like, I, you know, I'm a, like a pickpocket of characteristics of people I admire, you know, um, or traits or qualities, you know, oh, I like what that person does. I, I admire that. I want to do that. Right. Like, yep. right. Yeah. Did you Goes find, in my bag of tricks. yeah. And you started finding that as you went away from the natural path of being an ecologist and kind of finding your own path inside of that. Did you start start seeing it open up more and going, well, that makes a lot of sense. And, and did it slowly just gain its own like force to where it was just like, Oh, how did this happen? I'm, you know, a year or two into it and I have no clue. And you, like you said earlier, you put the pieces together. You're like, well, this led to this and that led to that. Yeah. What yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, one thought drove me for a long time. It was like, if you, if you know, one strange piece of information, you're just kind of a kooky character. Mm -hmm. But if you know, <laughs> 40 strange pieces of information and weave them together cohesively, <laughs> then, you know, you're an innovator, mm -hmm. you're an entrepreneur, you're a, you're a tip of the spear. Um, you're, you know, you're a world changer. That's, that's what mm -hmm. you do. You find all the pieces. And so then that's, I was like, if I can find in, and what I found was, you know, each as, as I really set my mind to trying to find beneficial solutions, each thing compounded, it was like compounding interest of, as soon as I found one interesting tool, let's say fermentation or biofertilizers, you or Korean natural farming, where you basically 
snatch up a bunch of local biomass grass or husks of a plant you throw it in a bucket you grab some some um leaf mold from the forest just some area where the leaves are kind of glued together with that white mycelium mm-hmm, right fungi. you throw it in there and boom you know a month later you have a fertilizer and oh, then wow. as soon as you share that simple thing with someone they'd be like oh you shared an interesting thing with me well here you know everyone's carrying around some mm-hmm. secret little thing that they right. don't share with everybody <laughs> hey. as soon as you kind of like i'll show you mine if you show me yours <laughs> well there you go <laughs> it's kind of like entering into that i won't i don't you're know in the, the club, circle but you're, yeah yeah you're, you're, you're showing circle. your hand yeah. and and that gives somebody else the confidence and the re- i think you gain the respect that they're like, hey, you know what? I'm glad to see that you're doing it because I do. I think that comes around, and that's what I always say about you know whatever your interest is or path or hobby or you know whatever focus. Once people know about it, if you don't tell anyone, nobody else is aware of it because who? Anytime something that is strange comes up in my family, they know who to go to. If I never told <laughs> yeah. them, if I didn't tell them, you know, hey, I'm interested in this and this and this, which they know extensively, they wouldn't care to tell me. It just wouldn't be on their radar. Yeah. So you're putting yourself in that awareness mm-hmm. spectrum, too. And that grows over time, right? Absolutely. And then your entire network of people is like, oh, I found this interesting, strange thing. Yep. Uh, that guy who's interested in that would be interested in that. Yep. And then you're just this funnel of information and you know, all your friends, family are, are all minions sending you more information that you just get to sort through. Right. You know, just just last last week, you know, a dear friend said, hey, have you heard of electroculture, which is a way of basically integrating natural electricity that's hmm. in the atmosphere into plants and gardening? Wow. I was like, oh, that's you know, I think I've come across that, but let me dig into it. I was like, yeah, you know what? I came across this idea five years ago and then I, I didn't continue down the path, but we're doing other methods that use the same principles of we're on an earth, a spinning earth. It's, you know, the earth is charged. One thing, the atmosphere that we're in is, has a different charge. There's a charge gradient between earth and sky, just like a battery, positive and negative terminals. And so if you, put an antenna of sorts to allow that energy to move from earth to sky and from sky to earth. This then you freaking out. Wow. You basically, con- you know, you connect Do the you, circuit. You feel like you're like there's more like Tesla, Tesla ideas at certain points of like discovering that free energy. And then I Bro. don't know if it was the ionosphere he was trying to tap into with Wardenclyffe and the tower. And, mm-hmm. but that's what this sounds like is that what you're saying That's is, wild. we're basically living on a battery of sorts. Well, this is very, Absolutely. very, very. You, you just sorry, you just blew my mind live. <laughs> like, <laughs> so there's this gentleman named Ross Hamilton from Ohio here. Oh. He's a uh-huh. longtime He's mound great. and earthwork ar- archaeo astronomer that looks at these ancient sites here in Ohio and all over the mid- Midwest. These super advanced ancient structures, these temple complexes, they look like circuitry. His theory is that these were power plants of energy to create mana. They were capturing, bringing mm-hmm. in the mana into the plants. They were growing these giant plants. That's where these... You need to hook them up. You know, giant people come from. These legends of the giants and, right. and the, the tall people they find all over uh, that's right. written about in the newspapers. That, you know, in ancient times, these 
sites were essentially power plants of energy to that they were pretty much harnessing and creating this super advanced culture um, and that it's very old, very ancient. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that are coming back around and being rediscovered by guys like Adam that just sorry no I, that no. just blew it, my you're, mind you're connecting dots it's, it's i love it absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> i i mean I, I think the the first speaker that you had on this podcast i listened to the the gentleman out in the ohio serpent mounds yeah 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 and boy talk about connecting dots we yeah. had just vj well, i don't know if i need to jeff like, uh i think jeff maybe yeah jeff um, wilson Yes. Yes. Um, you know, it was one of those days of listening to him about these big stone circles. Yeah. And that morning we'd been out on a piece of property building stone circles on ley lines to release latent energy into the environment. But instead of just passing underground through the land and the land is just sitting up there struggling, you know, by putting these make a circuit, release it, kind of like acupuncture, like let right. that energy out into obelisks. the air. That's, that's what awesome. obelisks were, man. Obelisks and stone circles. They're so that's pointing that, energy, that's, pushing it along the grid. You know, it's that's one of pulling it kind up. of the, the leading simple, effective, cheap, basically free tools that we use is we'll douse for ley lines mm. or energy lines and we'll ask where where they cross and specifically where the male, I refer to male ley lines crossing because they have an upward, like an upwelling, yeah. uh, like an upwelling vortex or right. an eddy. You know, right. if, you, if you think about where two rivers cross, yeah. oh, if you've ever yeah. boated, yep. you know, hop on a canoe and you'll learn a lot about oh, yeah. eddy currents <laughs> and upwelling. Go whitewater rafting <laughs> in West Virginia. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, I think the the first uh, river of of the Skagit and the Cascade River that I tried to canoe on, you know, here it looks normal, but as soon as you touch it with that canoe, it just flipped over because there's so much mm-hmm. upwelling mm-hmm. and some wow. eddies and vortex. <clears throat> well, it was a real you know wake up call to get flipped in a yeah. you know, glacier fed river. Whew, that's cold. Um, that's real cold. I've been in one yeah, up in Canada. It was, yeah. Um, but what we're doing is you're finding those places where you have two lines crossing, there's an upwelling of energy and that's where you'll put granite or an obelisk or a pyramid because specifically not only the geometry of Mm -hmm. the upwelling peak, which is condensing, coalescing and moving upward, but also just the formation of the rock structure, whether it's basalt or granite is formed in an upwelling process. You know, it's upwelling and floating from the mantle of the earth Mm -hmm. up to the surface of the earth. And so it constantly has this upwelling movement. And so by putting that granite or basalt in that upwelling location, you amp it up and now you have more upwelling movement free into the environment. Mm -hmm. And then vice versa, nearby one of those male oriented vortices is a, is a female area where you have ley lines crossing and they create a downward spinning or a, an inward 
you know, there's not really an up and a down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an inward and an outward on a spinning spherical earth. Right. Um, and so in this inward vortex, uh, that's where we put high calcium or limestone circles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that, you know, limestone is a downwelling formation. It's ocean water and crustaceans that settle out of solution onto the ground. And so their formation is a downwelling event. And so by just putting basalt in the upwelling and limestone in the downwelling in a circle, you basically release more upward and more outward and more inward energy to be available in that environment. And that's just walking around with dowsing rods and pushing some stones in places yeah and then poof there's more energy available in the environment that's cool <laughs> pretty wild that's so cool and it's i mean it's palpable you go to those places and i mean it's like entering into almost like a wall that you pass over you immediately mm-hmm. feel like when you go to stonehenge never been a but. certain parameter once you hit, you can feel the energy, like electromagnetic a change. Charge. Right. But it's like walking through a wall. I've experienced that at Chaco Canyon. Yeah. And um, Chichen Itza to a certain extent, but uh, definitely because, you know, he's talking about the stone circle. Yeah. Um, I would say the only one I've had for certain was Anchor Wat. Yeah. I that bet. for sure was like, that was just like an energy grid all over that place. Right. But again, this is stuff that, you know, these ancient sites. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. I know. They're what you not mean. burials or tombs or right. these are machines. I mean, a lot of people, engineers, charging stations, scientists, for humanity to use geologists, to go there and feel that. Like we've said, you're walking into this wall of energy. You know, yeah. holding ceremonies there. You know, you're gathering, supercharging in it. Right. Um, you know, tying people together through that sense of community and feeling too, and feeling that energy from those areas and having those gatherings back in. But look at look at Teotihuacan in, in Mexico. It looks like a circuit board, Adam. Mm-hmm. If you look at yes. that whole pyramid of the sun causeway, where the pyramid of the moon, I mean, get straight up from that, it looks like a circuit board. Right. And that's what you have in Ohio. The Newark earthwork, um, you know, as a whole, how they're all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really really, it's not just you know building shapes. It's not yeah, geometry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they didn't just like do a real nice etch a sketch, and they're like, "Oh, cool, let's make that 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 five sided." And you're you using know, structure geometry, yeah. right? Um, and solar and alignments, lunar alignments. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, it only brings up. Have you put questions. any of this in? How much of this have you put into practice? Uh, or what kind of ideas do you have for this type of like? I mean, this is huge. This kind of thing is. I mean, yeah. So, you know, all of this came from the, the more that I traveled, the more that I would go find some local farmer doing, you know, whatever was sustainable green at the time. And it seemed like every probably five farmers in a row, just as I was leaving, you know, we'd already said our goodbyes, thanks, blah, blah, blah. And they would say, you know, you should look into biodynamics and then that was the very last thing that we would say. And I was like, wait, what? We don't get to talk about that? And they're like, okay, yeah, nice to meet you. Bye. <laughs> Fade into the distance. Cliffhanger. And it happened three or four, five different times of you should check out biodynamics. Mm. And, you know, biodynamics really gets into this whole topic of, well, there's, there's 
there's content, you know, there's the stuff that's inside of us and that's inside of a plant. And then there's context in the air outside of it that it's consuming. You know, a plant only gets 30% of its nutrition from the soil. The rest 70% of it comes from the atmosphere that it's mm-hmm. consuming, transpiring, right. respiring, and breathing. And so the majority of the nourishment of all the vegetables that we eat come from the air, which we don't talk about very often. Mm, that's interesting. Um, yeah, super interesting. Cause then yeah. it's like, well, what do you do to make the air more nourishing? You know, we have things like foliar sprays where you spray things on the plant, but biodynamics was the first place that said, don't even spray this thing on the plant, spray it above the plant to alter the atmosphere that the plant is growing in. Sure. Cause basically, and, and so, you know, through biodynamics, there's certain sprays you spray on the ground, which are all about inward, that inward force, that downward force, mm-hmm. that rooting force. And then other things you spray up in the air, which basically you're working on gravity on one side and then levity on the other side so that the plant can fill the space more. Um, and so really the deeper you go in biodynamics, it gets into dowsing and then these other concepts of like, well, you know, in the morning, there's an upwelling movement of energy from earth to sky. And in the evening, there's a downwelling movement. There's this pulsing breathing that the earth is doing every day. Sure. Um, and there's, you know, the, the tides of sap are moving up in the plants and down into the soil every day multiple times a day, just like the tides of the ocean are. And so I really opened this really interesting, fun conversation of what's actually occurring in this green leaf Mm -hmm. in a 24 hour period is a phenomenal event of, you know, flowing saps that don't just, you know, don't just flow, but even like, you know, it gets into the circulatory system of the human body. Our whole circulatory system is run off as a siphon, you know, our, our heart as is understood through biodynamics is not only a pump, mm-hmm. it's also a siphon. Yep. So you're siphoning from the back end and yep. then you're kind of a keto throwing from the front end yeah. as it leaves the aorta. And so you have this beautiful mm-hmm. geometry that's acknowledging the inward flow and just redirecting and slowing or speeding up the outward flow. Right. Um, that's interesting you say and, that because that's always one of the things that made me uh, appreciate our our bodies when you stop and think of our smooth and our skeletal muscle and our you know our smooth muscle doing the involuntary things you know our heart our lungs we don't think about breathing we don't think about our heart pumping all the time you know it just does it and it does such amazing under the hood tasks that we're just unaware mm-hmm. of day by day but I always thought that was so cool I didn't mean to stop you there no it, love that. It, that concept. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. Um, so to your question of, you know, are we doing this? Uh, yes. So, you know, with moving up to current day, I'm a regenerative designer with symbiosis, which is a, a regenerative design company out of central Texas. Um, oh, cool. and you know, when I went through, you know, when I came across permaculture, it was the first, um, rubric or algorithm that was like, Hey, you know what? The human being is not just bad and has the potential of being less bad. We're Mm -hmm. potentially 
hyper amazing yeah. pieces of our local ecologies that can build soil faster than it has ever grown in a natural right. environment. Right. And we can truly be these stewards on earth that when we are working with our networks, it's not just me, but it's me and my network networks of networks. And we can be this massive regenerative force right. on planet earth. Um, and we can move ecologies into a greater abundance than we've ne ever known in our lifetimes. Um, and so that right. really, you know, fired up my ecology mind of like, now we're talking, yeah. now we're building ecologies and abundance back into living systems. That's what's up. That's cool. Um, and Amazing. so that's what we do at symbiosis is we work with different clients. You know, everybody's got different hopes and dreams and budgets and, uh, and climate of the mind, which is, as, as y'all know, with this show, super important. If you, mm -hmm. if you're not willing to believe something, then no matter how much fact there is for it, you're not going to believe it. Yep. You can <laughs> yeah. only, you can only lead them to the water sometimes. Yep. 100%. Exactly. It, it's uh, I just heard this the other day that, you know, so many people say seeing is believing, but really it's believing is seeing. You got to believe it first or yearn to see it. And then, you know, right. the more that you're like, oh man, I've heard about this thing happening. Yeah. I know a guy who says it's possible. I've personally never seen it, but boy, would I like to see that happen? You know, one wow. same path, but, but slight bifurcation of one thing I'd always heard about is, you know, the sentience of plants and how they'll protect themselves. Mm -hmm. And one thing that you can see if you're in a field or a pasture or a garden just before a big thunderstorm is those plants will sense the the change in barometric pressure mm -hmm. and so they'll force all of their sap underground to oh, what? preserve as much of yeah to to preserve as much of their life and life force as possible what? and so i'd read this in a book so now it's like in the back of my mind i'm like boy wow that's i so can't cool. even imagine what that's like so i walk outside <laughs> and i walk into our garden and I'm, you know, really proud of myself. I'm like, wow, we turned this thing from a <laughs> rocky cactus patch into a garden. And everything's like plump and rich and ripe and looking beautiful. 20 seconds later, the entire garden has laid down on the ground. Like, <laughs> looks just dead. Oh, my. And I'm like, you know, I'm going into like grief. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but then I hear thunder in the distance. Wow. Like, totally makes sense. Huh. Yeah wonder if that's For sure. what's happening yeah you know it came out huge thunderstorm came rolling through massive winds lightning thunder next morning i come out everything's just standing up tall and proud yeah mm -hmm. be. they're just yep. battening down the hatches you know yeah and they're so, like oh, isn't that wild too when, yeah isn't that wild too when you can you you start to see things in such an unusual way and you go how did i never notice this or how did i miss this and that's one of the things too about we just lost such uh, basic things it seems like we would know if we paid attention as much to our planet as we do to our jobs or our, our careers or our interests or our Got digital devices in. yeah yeah and you know it's it's really tough it's harder now than ever and i'm very guilty well, first of, of all you have to be around plants to be able I to have them everywhere in my house come across these type of ideas like they give you you know i love to just sit out back on my porch and just look at my herbs that are in pots. Yes. I don't have a big like yard for, plants. but I have tons and I grow tomatoes and I grow peppers and I grow, uh, but my herbs, I get 
go out there and just hang out. Yeah. You talk. And it's to like, them. oh, a little snip here, you know, prune it mm-hmm. up. Yep. And it's just and then you start to get these ideas of, oh, if I did this and they just come from where? Right. You know, wh- right. And maybe the plant itself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're unbelievable. Uh, you you might be onto something there. Yeah. Look at the chemical transmission of information. I mean, all of our medicine is from plants pretty much. A lot of it, uh, a lot of it is venomous animals and, and spiders. They're and really good at um, transmitting Insects. information through chemistry. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So that, that's why it, they can transmit uh, messages to your body. Really, right? We're set up. That's a good point. In well, terms we have of, a, we have the receptors for a lot of these chemicals too. Mm-hmm. That's the other part. We have the receptors in our brain for. Um, cannabinoids, DMT, you yeah. know, uh, different medicines that are naturally occurring that, you know, might help stop a seizure or, you know, give you a, a, a natural anticoagulant, something like that. Uh, yeah, that's the, the forests are our pharmacy beyond our bodies and our own internal chemical Dude, system of our com- hormone. They're know, communicating cascade. all the time. Yes, they are. Well, and, and, and what you just mentioned, so many people ask, you know, how, where would I start? You know, there's so much information. How could I even begin? And what you just mentioned is exactly it, a sit spot, you know, yeah. one spot that you go that's within two minutes of your doorstep. So you'll actually go to the same spot yep. and just go <laughs> and sit you know, multiple times a year, right. different times a day. And you'll learn so much about when things are budding, when mm-hmm. things are flowering, oh, when, yeah. you know, which insects, you know, are bringing in which predators and what the local neighborhood cat does and how the birds respond to that. And just through that one little sit spot, sitting there once a week for a year, mm-hmm. you far, it, it would be the, the best time investment anyone could do for free for, for their awareness. I used to sit on my front porch and whittle a lot, and I would stay up. I worked night shift. I would be up at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, and I would always hear these noises, and I'm like, no, there's nothing down there. It's just it's a mouse or something. And I have a very unusually high activity of possum activity. And I had all these sticks in my front yard, and there's a little baby one out there one night, and, you know, there's cat fights Uh going on, and, you know. A lot of animal activity. I grew up in the country as well with Mike, and, you know, we've talked about it before. That's what we did all summer long when we were kids. Played in the creek. Snakes, turtles, fish, Mm -hmm. crayfish, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever you could see. You call the carp when they would run every year, or if it flooded, you know, that was our water park. Um, Oh, yeah. But I totally understand what you were both saying about that sit spot and, and, and having something that you can not, one, only be out in nature, but you can have almost like this, you can see it change if you sit there long enough. If you're there once a mm-hmm. week, twice a, you know, twice a week, you can actually yeah. see it change. Like my maple, I can tell when that bad boy's ready to go. And I know a week after it gets ready, it's just going to burst out with these beautiful leaves because I've seen it happen so many times. I know all the signs and awareness. And now that you've said it about yeah. the uh, storms when they roll in, yeah. that'll be in my mind completely. Yeah. Because I get very Super. sensitive. I start feeling the charge myself. I don't mm-hmm. like thunderstorms. I love watching them from protection, but I yeah. start to feel the air change yeah. and I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. get nervous. Yeah. As a, as a long-term climber, lightning is still. That's uh, a big matzo ball. Uh, uh, yeah. A reason for running. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> you climb, uh, do you boulder? Do you top rope? Do you, um, multi-pitch? Multi-pitch and alpine climbing Very is cool. what I've, done for kind of the last decade or so. And that was really a lot of where, 
you know, you, I would notice, especially once I became aware of like the biodynamic calendar of, you know, plant things during root times, plant other things during shoot times and those parts of the plant grow differently. And I would notice, you know, climbing on sandstone, I always felt like it was incredibly hard. Um, now I know sandstone is a diamagnetic stone, which has more of that downward pulling mm, energy. Okay. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, climbing on basalt and granite has that paramagnetic effect where mm-hmm. everything is kind of aligned and it grows and has more levity to it. So yeah, I think, and then, you know, noticing that climbing during just before the full moon, oh man, it was just like, you're just sailing, having a great time. Like free energy. Yeah. <laughs> free energy. You just feel unstoppably strong. But That's then so climbing the same thing just before a new moon, it was like you were carrying a refrigerator on your back That's and you couldn't even keep up a conversation because everything just felt so heavy and so slow. Wow. I'm going to try um, to time that out this summer because we have an outdoor climbing wall that's free and open to the public and they have auto belays. And I used to climb pretty obsessively for like four to five years. But if they uh-huh. do a they do a night climb like once a month, if they have one around a full moon, I'm going to go and give it a full go because I'm going to get back into it this summer, but sorry, you were saying. Yeah, no, no. Or or pop out the Maria Thune biodynamic calendar Hmm. and just kind of notice those days that you're just like sending and crushing. Nice. It's probably a a shoot or a flower day or a fruit day. Um, And those days where you're just struggling to do anything are, in my experience, are typically a root day. You come back and you're like, oh, that's that's why because I'm, you know, all the energy is underground and I'm yeah. trying to go above ground and just it, nothing's working. So yeah. do you plan things around that calendar as far as like uh, events or if you're going to do a crop or if you're doing certain things, does that calendar line up when you should do it? Because I've heard it in, say, Belize or different countries, you know, we don't trim the palms until this moon cycle, because if you do, mm-hmm. your whole vegetation will be screwed. Like that was a very common repeated, you know, you do it too early. If you don't look at the palm leaves on the Cahoon palms, you know, you're, you're Mm -hmm. in trouble. I was just like, really? And they're like, everybody, that's how everybody does it. That's how everybody knows in those areas. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just a question of, you know, what are you trying to accomplish and acknowledging where is the energy in the plant? Hmm. Um, so if, you know, if you're going to chop off a lot of the, top of the tree, you know, maybe you want the majority of the energy to be in the root right. so that, that you're lopping off material, but you're not removing a massive amount of energy from that plant. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a super fun experiment. Just plant. I mean, this is where the whole calendar came from was, was basically taking the United States Naval astronomy chart, you know, and if we happen to get hit with an EMP and there's no electronics and battleships how are they going to get from port to port they're going to look at the stars like we once did so they have to know where planetary and celestial bodies are and so they took that information you know very factual we can the, the cosmos is just this perfect swiss clock you know, the fact that we can run it 20,000 years forward or 20,000 years back. And that we know exactly wild. where yeah. it's, it's incredible. That's time traveling um, right there almost. I mean, that's why ancient sites <laughs> were well, when built they do to it, the stars using geometry. When they do it with the you know, alignment the of like the pyramids the and the sphinx or, the you know, different. Solstices. Yeah. 
the mm-hmm. Leo, the yeah. Sphinx is aligned with Leo. Right. And when it was aligned with Leo was about 12,800 years ago. Right. So the so, the head of the Sphinx is a man. That that's where probably Ramses or somebody yeah. carved. That's where it's tough. In like two thousand BC, you can't cheat the time on that. No, you know that. that yeah, it's kind of the yeah, smoking that time gun. Stamp is yeah, well, yeah. and you know, you were talking about some of the like toroidal energy systems mm-hmm. and vortexes and mm-hmm. and you know some of those things. Uh, but it just reminded me of uh, when we were in Sedona, we did mm-hmm. an Earth Wisdom Jeep tour. With this guy Kevin oh. uh, Kevin Flores, he was and great. And he uh, man was he fun. Played two different flutes. He burned sage for us. Did, did this the medicine whole, wheel cards um, ceremony for us. Smudged us up there on top of this vortex, and taught us about like, hey, NASA's been studying this vortex energy. Yeah, I would they never found heard this out in the sixties because they had all this instrumentation that they picked up on right. Sedona in particular of having this toroidal energy system right. so it's basically upheaval that's coming out through those ley lines you and, can see the cracks in the rock where he's like this is the ley line right yeah. here it's actually a crack in the rock and if you hold your fingers uh, out the energy comes from this and he taught us how to eventually you just start feeling this little and once you connect with it then it just lights you up anything growing there will be spiraled and as then it comes out of the ground physically like, you know, he showed us the yeah. juniper trees yes. which were branches yeah. spiraled out mm-hmm. all the way from the base through each branch yeah i thought and he was kind of one next to it until then cuz he was like and oh, look right he, he goes yeah. and look at right there you were definitely right really one. skeptical i was like okay kevin and i looked over i was like and then he showed oh, God, us you're real, at you're the next serious. spot there was that big one I'm from the midwest well yeah you know what but I mean? Even if you go hiking and you look at a a, a juniper, you're not like, oh, it looks pretty spirally. It you wouldn't know what make I mean? any like, sense you to you. Yeah, you would not read the signs. But when he goes, look at this one, and it's perfectly normal. Pointed it right out, yeah. It's a, a traditional straight, you know. Absolutely. I mean, they're kind of crooked. and They're gnarly looking, mm-hmm. but they yeah. grow upright. They but don't the grow, branches don't you know, grow in a perfect Fibonacci right. sequence. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and cool. so, like, you know. You can, you know that that it's there. This isn't some woo woo thing. We've experienced. You were super skeptical, it's right in front of me. Yeah, and believer, it, and it was an experience. Believer, yeah, to have that kind of guided. I think it also shows one of those things where, where people say, "I can't see it, so I can't understand it." And and to reinforce that notion would be Tom's story of you know the fault line in front of his house. The derecho uh, storm that kicked up with high enough winds that it lifted the energy from the fault line and threw it up onto the power lines. It overwhelmed the power lines and melted them. The power company came out. He told them, hey, look, fellas, I live right. There's a fault line in the middle of the street. They took out uh, their survey map. Yep, you're right. Looked at the lines. They went, yeah, that's what happened. And I was like, wait, that can happen? Because I've... That's a fault. You're living on a fault line, he told him. The guy from AEP. That whole, we can't see it. So Mm -hmm. it's not real or it can't be... That stops a lot of people. And like you said, sometimes believing is seeing. And so what you're saying with opening the energy and releasing that into the air Mm -hmm. and helping the plants consume that and then have bigger vegetation. What if back in the day of the giants, you know, they were... There's a lot of stories that they were the megalithic builders. Maybe they were able to control those giant stones using massive amounts of energy, sound technology. I mean, we you know, Amel's episode, sound frequency, sound healing, all that stuff. We're just scratching the surface of all of those things, and a practice that has been doing this for 
I don't know how many untold, would you thousands of years uh, with Agni Hotra? I'd like to dig in a little Where bit. Where did it start? Yeah, that's no, how, that's how we met. Segue. Was you just exploded our brains with? Yeah, Agni Hotra had just like how have I not heard about this? There's so many things and like that. That's you know, you know why I love encountering. Yeah, blew the, me away. This. The source that I found it in was a, a wonderful book called Secrets of the Soil by Peter Tompkins, same guy who wrote A Secret Life of Plants. Oh, okay. he, he oh, has cool. some real, real gems. Um, hmm. And, you know, so there's a ton on vortices and water vortexes and ley lines and pyramids and, um, and biodynamics and what it does. And then I get to this one chapter you know, so as I was going through that, I was just, if I'd read it, you know, then I'd apply it and try it and see what it did. And then I got to that chapter on Agni Hotra, which is called, I think, Purification by Fire. And it was the first time I had ever heard the concept of you can change the atmosphere with a small fire, you know, a fire, you know, that fits in your hands. It's small. <laughs> Not a big fire. No. Yeah. Um, and so... Honestly, at the time, it was too much. It was it was beyond my comprehension. And then it involved me getting snatched up with a dear friend and going to um, Nepal for for two climbing seasons and helping her. And she became the first American female uh, to climb Mount Everest without wow. um, oxygen. Oh, and wow. so just being around. Her and her just like unbelievable will. My friend Melissa are not uh, Melissa are not read, and uh, you know so she just drugged me up into the Himalayas, and it was just such a gift wow. to see that place. And in 2015, the massive earthquake hit while right. we were just outside of base camp, and so when I came home, at, so I, I transitioned to work with a group called team Rubicon to do disaster response for a month after that event and just hiking into high parts of the Himalaya and bags full of medical supplies and helping groups of people who every single village we went to had lost half of their population. You know, it was Holy like un unbelievable amount of loss. And so when I came back, Honestly, I was so disconnected from how to how to reconnect from to people, yeah. you know, American people, right. busy mm -hmm. with whatever latest show is on TV or shenanigans are in the news. Um, right. And so, it reminded me of that chapter, and I was like, you know what, this that's what I need. I need something that takes me back to the Himalayas that I can just process my own stuff with for a mm -hmm. while. And so I just went ahead and just ordered the kit from this great place called Copperworks and just started doing it for two weeks straight, morning and evening, just as a personal experiment. You know, it's supposed to change the atmosphere, which then plants are consuming the atmosphere. It puts, it changes the charge capacitance in the atmosphere. So instead of kind of a, you know, same concept as a stagnant pond doesn't have much life in it, but if you create that toroidal field and flow, then there's more airflow, there's more charge, yep. there's more interaction, yep, there's more particles yep. in, in the atmosphere. And as we know, you know, plants are the small water cycle. So them breathing their small particulate nuclei into the air 
puts these little charged nuclei into the atmosphere, which then attract precipitation and cause it to rain. So you remove the plants, you remove the precipitation, you turn it into a desert. Right. right. Add plants, you add transpiration, you add small charged nuclei into the atmosphere, and you get more rain. Right. And so by just doing Agnihotra twice a day at sunrise and sunset, in the middle of the summer in Texas, it started to rain. And there would not only just rain, but each morning in middle of July, there'd be mists and the the air felt different and it felt cool instead of just, you know, hot baked. As you can imagine, you know, summer in July in central Texas can be rough, but all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. our entire local atmosphere was different. Wow. And, um, and so after two weeks of just doing this every, every morning, you know, I was very much noticing, like, it felt like colors were brighter and mists were cooler. And, and personally myself, it was like Crazy. someone just turned my intuition up to 11 Wow! and all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't like randomly you'd have an intuitive moment and you'd say to yourself, Oh, that was kind of a funny series of events, or that was a, that was a funny circumstance or serendipitous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just, it became very much the norm. You know, it was, if you had a thought or you had a person you needed to meet, I was looking for a patent lawyer at the time. Hmm. So I went into tech, I went into Austin after two weeks of this, the very next person I meet, was the first person I ever met who also did Agnihotra and he was a patent lawyer. Shut like, up. Uh, he was he was looking for a person who could explain Agnihotra's mechanism well, I think from a scientific perspective. I think you were right, vibrating right. at that frequency because I've heard other yeah. people say that you're just your natural state and and his were so aligned because you're you're harmonizing. Yeah, you know, you're 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 lined up from head to toe. You know what I mean? Internally, you are humming along. I've heard people say that before. And back when I felt that way at certain times and I was feeling the same of the synchronicities of how that's so strange. How could this happen? Um, I Mm -hmm. remember one of my friends at the time being like, you are at a different level right now. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't know what it is. He literally couldn't put a finger on it. He was just like, you are like, he was like, you're almost like vibrating. You're at such an energy level at this moment. And I was like, I feel that. Yeah, yeah, you you do. You feel it internally. It's that... Uh, kind of like the butterfly effect, but like just this energetic up and down your spine coursing to your toes stuff. Yeah. I love that. Well, and, and that's the huge piece of Agni Hutra. It creates such an upwelling of energy. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the reasons why historically they say if, if you're a woman who's menstruating, it wouldn't be a great time for you to participate in Agni Hutra because their body's in a downward flow of mm-hmm. energy. Sure. Right. Makes sense. And so to sit in an Agnihotra environment could be uncomfortable. There mm-hmm. could be more cramping, more discomfort, because you've just flipped and you're sitting in an environment where there's a massive upwelling of energy. Right. And it is so intense that that I mean, whenever I've you know continued to do it daily for a month. Kind of midway through that, after that two-week period, there is a resonance that really gets set in your body. But sometimes there's such an upwelling that there will be like full-blown dry heaves. 
And then eventually there'd be this big burp that would come from some place. You know, I didn't even know that there was air in my body, but it would like come from some deep, dark lobe of my lungs that I had in 10 years. Yeah. And And you feel lighter. It's that like full blown euphoria of like, oh, something just got, you know, like blown out and opened up. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely a part of it. Like you feel it. And sometimes it's very uncomfortable. I've had two different friends that joined in for Agni Hotra for a day. And as soon as we lit the fire and said the mantra, they got up and vomited. Like, yeah. Whoa. Wow. I mean, okay. When we that's filmed real. you doing it in 2018 up on the hill, we were rushing up the camera gear up this hill. And it was like a certain point where you're like, I got to get up here. Like it's got to happen now. Like we're getting so close. And we ran up this hill with all the gear. Adam had his Agni Hocher kit and, and we shot, you know, the, the whole ceremony and got to, and it was intense. Uh, Adam, it. explain a little bit the process of the ceremony, because there's this beat that happens with the upside down pyramid. That's like this, like the fire sucks down into it and it, it creates this like frequency or resonance. And, and I feel like that's what's going on with the pyramids and places like that, that are next to the river systems. It's creating this kind of, you know, vibrational frequency almost, or yeah, like, like dude. hypnagogic state and of so many things connected when I watched him do this. Hmm. So kind of walk us through the ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was about to ask. Sure. So, and maybe this would be a good time to show that Agni Hutra video. But basically, you yeah, have a sure. small copper pyramid and you're burning dried cow manure, uh, which has already basically it's just twigs and grass in nature that's been fermented through a cow's multi system ruminant gut. Okay. And so it's already been chemically fermented and broken down to an extreme level. Right. And then you're taking that drying it, soaking it in ghee, clarified butter, and then lighting it on fire. Okay. And so now you're thermally breaking it down to the most kind of primal nanoparticle that that forest and grass can be broken down to. Okay. Coating it in oil. That pyramid is creating a, a very intense convective current so it's pulling in air from the sides it's superheating it in in the center of the pyramid and it's launching it upward uh sure basically like a prism or like a laser you know if you look into optics you know google how lasers work by refracting and reflecting light and condensing it into a coherent beam of plasma right and that's really what fire is it's not just a fire in a pyramid it's an alchemical process of transmuting matter into energy into a coherent beam of energy and they found the agnihutra particles over eight miles above the earth you know it's so small and it's so forceful and it's so hot that it's able to travel to the highest parts of our stratosphere and so the beautiful thing to think about is now you have this laser beam emitting from the small copper pyramid that you're putting your intention and your voice, your sound into at the exact second of sunrise and sunset. So at the exact second that you're, you're putting in rice and a sound mantra, a Sanskrit mantra, which as we know, Sanskrit is a, an ancient language 
based on the geometry of sound and cymatics. And so that vibration is creating a dimpling effect. So the pyramid's creating a dimpling effect. The fire's dimpling and launching. The sound is dimpling and launching. And at the exact second that you're doing it, it's the, it's the, the exact second where the sun is so low on the horizon that the visual spectrum of light has mm. split into that, you know, Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, mm-hmm. green. And Agnihotra is working specifically in that green band of light. So it's like right as you're hitting that green band frequency, you're just ringing this subsonic gong, essentially, and resonating at that exact frequency that you're bathed in. And that kind of green band of light lasts for about two minutes as the sun rolls over and the earth turns, and then you're out of that band and the sun moves up higher in the in the horizon. But basically, right as you're bathed in the solar frequency biorhythm of earth, you're sounding this small fire gong that resonates at that same frequency. And so now you're tuning yourself and your local atmosphere to that very beneficial frequency. And a lot is happening. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. It's a lot happening. Yeah. <clears throat> it's making me think uh, of And like, then the last... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So the very last thing is, you know, just think if if there's a beam of energy moving up into the high atmosphere, basically piercing a hole through all these layers of clouds and denser layers of pollution. Once it punches that hole anywhere where there's energy moving one way, there's energy moving a back current moving the other way. Sure. So you're literally drawing that higher cosmic energy that's high up in the atmosphere blocked from us down into the lower levels of this kind of ocean of air that we're at the bottom of. And these trees are sitting in kind of like a coral reef. They're breathing the air that's moving past them, just yeah. like coral is. Sure. And we're sitting at the bottom of the ocean of air, so we're pulling higher energy down into our fishbowl. Right. I mean, again, that's what makes me think of the earthworks here in Ohio. Mm. Like those are giant Agni Hotra machines or something like that. Could be. You know what I mean? Like they are creating some flow of of energy to push through to the ionosphere. And it's what's described of, you know, serpent mound used to have this, uh, monolith in the center of the head Mm -hmm. at the, at the tip of the head. Um, and it's, it's you can go down and hike and there's this big stone down there and you can take a little ball peen hammer and hit the end of it. And it rings like a bell. That's cool. Oh, wow. And so, you know, if you have a whole bunch of people, Adam has this the pyramid the copy actually we do have the video queued up Adam so let's uh, sure. maybe we just show uh, everybody cool yeah. yeah. what the kit looks like <clears throat> here we go I'll show this kit that my computer's sitting on <laughs> so that's the inverted pyramid that the fire's sitting in and it's just made yeah, of copper right. And really look, look at, at that green. lower left corner. But that's from the copper. See that green? Yeah. Look how it's but pulsating. Let me watch kind of how it's pulsing. Yeah, that's the real oh. thing that you feel. You don't always see that green pulsation, but you can really see that there's this 
That's so cool. This oscillation, this pumping, oh, sure. pulsing of the environment that's occurring. And I think that's, that's what so wild. many people experience and they feel, you know, they're, they're moved by. Mm-hmm. by just sitting in this kind of pumping, pulsing flow of energy that their bodies generally haven't experienced something like that unless you've been to some place like a Stonehenge or a right. Watt. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I could, I could understand. But could that. you imagine Adam talked about a bunch of you guys getting together and doing Agni Hotra together at times, oh. and like some of the effects that that would have. Sure. Yeah. And you know, just so it's clear so you can see scale, you know, that's the pyramid. It's very small. Yeah. Right. 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 There's your little pre-soaked little little manure cakes. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if you've ever been to something like a, you know, I mean, it's the more pyramids that you get together, the more people that you have speaking mm-hmm. those words and resonating. I mean, there is an absolute palpable effect when you get two pyramids together that one does not do, and you get. 12 or more pyramids together. That's wild. I mean, this is one of the things that's coming out of the research. Uh, there's a great uh, Dr. Burke out of Poland who's been really at the forefront of the scientific mechanism of what's going on here. And one of the kind of tangible stories was when the, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a Bhopal uh, hydrosulfic uh, sulfuric acid. Um, sorry, I'm just, speaking wrong but in in bhopal india there was a massive um basically a a chemical spill if if you look it up um and not not chemical so i'm stumbling over my words but basically like a hydrogen sulfide was emitted into the atmosphere and it was just a horrible disaster um and the people who were able to go into those environments and to treat the people who were affected all were people who were continuing to practice Agni Hotra. Hmm. Their, their bodies were able to, to take on the impact of it. They were more resilient to these detrimental effects. Um, you know, the other tangible research coming out is just being in the presence of the pyramid will drop fecal coliform levels in water by 50%. Hmm. They've put sealed water in Faraday cages, um, trying to isolate, you know, what is this? Is this within the electromagnetic spectrum that's affecting this cleaning of water? And even when water is sitting inside of a Faraday cage, which should block all electromagnetic radiation, it still has that decreased fecal coliform and pollutants in the water by 50%. So something in this event is beyond the electromagnetic spectrum or something that is at least beyond the capacity of a Faraday cage to block. Sure. Um, Yeah. And so there's really cool um, research coming out on its, its ability to help with um, addiction and recovery uh, post-traumatic stress. And personally, in my experience, I think it really just reconnects you to this mm-hmm. deeply energetic, like memory of who we are as a, 
as a soul incarnate on this planet for some interesting reason that we're all re-remembering that there's something so much greater to the human story that we're able to participate in. But it really kicks away all the fluff and societal programming. And all of a sudden you're just like, boom, here you are having a very visceral experience that is your own and no one else's. I mean, that's what's missing. And and so many people that don't, you know, whether it's uh, holotropic breathing, uh, doing psychedelics, having a meditation practice, some way to like disconnect Go out into the woods. Get out of your be regular silent routine. For three days. Get out of your own you neighborhood. Know. Go somewhere you have never been before. Type thing. Yeah. Do that yeah. too. Break your routine sometime. You know. Um, and having a practice, yeah. you know, every day that uh, can connect you with something. That's a good one. Um, but it, the Agnihotra is this kind of ancient practice. Um, you know, this is the, yeah. the Vedas. Uh, specifically the Rig Veda, from what I understand, um, these texts yep. were, you know, even it's today, fire it's, Veda. it's practiced in India today. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Um, hasn't gone away. VJ's heard all about uh, Agnihotra. We talked to him. I don't think it was on the show, but behind the scenes. Um, but talk a little bit about that, um, kind of the history of it, uh, the background, a little bit of background. Yeah, so the first time that it's mentioned is in the Upanishads, which is a fantastic book if anyone hasn't read it. It's one of the, I believe it is the oldest Vedic text that we know in existence. Um, And really, I mean, from my perspective, after reading it maybe seven years ago, it's really about this story of a young person walking through the world, asking questions about how how do I exist well? in right relationship with the world. And so it's very much this kind of coming of age. He finds mentors and asks them questions, you know, talking to nature spirits and gods and entities about, you know, just how do I live in the world? And personally, I found it a much more enjoyable read than the Rig Veda. I found the Rig Veda to be very difficult and a massive amount of repetition yeah. And honestly, after spending time with Agnihotra, it makes sense that basically through the massive amount of repetition, it's like when you're working with fire, the repetition is what gets you to that next level. You know, it's like right. with transcendental medication, meditation, you can't mm-hmm. just say a mantra once, and poof off yard yep. in the nope. transcendental space. Nope. You got to just keep pounding at that repetition right. until you finally break through wherever we currently are. Yeah. Right. Like um, kirtans. I've had that experience with kirtans. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even Absolutely. listening to the, the same kirtans over and over again at night where I got into this hypnotic state and did that for a year. Yeah. And also, it is intense. I use a mantra when I can't sleep and I got mm-hmm. it from Ram Dass's book. Um, the only dance there is. Mm-hmm. And it was something about, I can't remember it verbatim. I only know the, words that I don't understand in English, but I remember the mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something like the heart in the middle of the lotus flower, like this whole, like, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of what you're saying, that toroidal energy, you know, of everything is yeah, everything. Kind of and, yeah. Yeah. Is it the chanting? Is it, is it really just like a, an activator because the sound, the frequency right. paired with the fire, this energy, and then the, 
The chants are doing what? Can you repeat uh, a chant for there, us? Um, yeah. So the here? you know so there are kind of three main chants that I'm, I'm I mean there's a whole massive library of of yagnas um, longer. Some of them last whole 24 hours, but the, the three that I'm familiar with and can recite are, you know, the, the morning yagna is basically, um, you know, it is sunrise, you know, all of this is not mine. It is thine giving gratitude for that spirit that is larger than us and that flows through us and around us. And it goes on the swaha is when you add the rice covered in ghee. So it's, um, Suryaya Swaha, Suryaya Idam Namama, Praja Pataye Swaha, Praja Pataye Idam Namama. That's cool. And then you just uh, let the fire do what it does until it goes out. That's cool. And I think that's what I loved about it is someone who really yeah. didn't value sitting still and meditating at the time. It gave me basically it a lovely timer. Yeah. You know, you just get to sit there and watch a fire, which is very hypnotic in yeah. its own right. Oh yeah. Um, but then, I mean, the real, the real catch for me was, you know, it said in the, in the text that I found, it was, you know, after two weeks of setting this biorhythm and resonance, you can start to do the longer, more complex mantras mm. you know, and saying them for 108 times. Mm. And the only mantra that I knew of was in the little, you know, I Agnihotra app <laughs> um, where you just plug in where you are on earth and it tells you exactly what time sunrise and sunset are. Mm -hmm. And there are three mantras in there. And the other one is the Mahatmatrunya mantra. And it's the, at the time I did not know this. Well, I'll, I'll lead up to it, but basically for 108 times, it goes something like, Aum Rayam Bakang Yajamahe Sunganimbush Divardanam Uvarukami Vavananam Ratyor Mukshiya Mamritat Swaha and then do that 108 times. Oh wow. And so the the first time, you know, it, it hit two weeks, I was like, hey, great, I did my little self-experiment. I did this for two weeks. I'll say this longer mantra because apparently I can I have permission, you know, to do that now. <laughs> yeah. so I did that. And afterwards, you know, I didn't notice any great transcendental changes of any sort. Right. But then the next morning, you know, I walk out to run into town and for some intuitive reason, I was like, you know what? I think today is the day where I'm going to go ahead and re up my first aid kit in my truck. Okay. So I just grabbed a bunch of supplies, <laughs> threw them in my front seat I'm not even going to organize them. I'm just going to grab this big bundle, you know, a whole sack of first aid supplies and a whole box of gloves. <laughs> and so as I'm driving into town for the first time ever in my entire life, I fully hear a voice behind me that just said, you're a terrible driver. You should really pay attention. Whoa. And, you know, so I was like, wow, well, that was pretty direct. Okay. I'm, I'm either losing my mind or I'll go ahead and I'll listen. Wow. Roll wow. up the windows, hands at 10 and 2, turn wow. off the radio. Probably 45 seconds later, here's a car that just wobbles over the midline. And in my brain, I'm thinking, I'm not a bad driver. I'm a good driver. You know, I, I noticed that guy. And as I'm having this conversation, that guy had a heart attack or a stroke, and he just yanks his car directly into my lane. Holy cow. Going, you know, we're both going 70 miles an hour. Dang. And I miss him by like six inches. 
and he T-bones the person behind me. Wow. wow or man. not T-bone, but head-on collision with the person behind me. Wow. And so I pull over, and here's all these first aid supplies. And so I pop out and volunteer fire department and volunteer police start stopping. And everyone's like, anybody have first aid supplies? And I'm just over there like Santa Claus, like loves for you. What? You know, here's, here's some bandages. <laughs> what do you need? Yeah, that man. That's too wild. Wow. That's really incredible. There so then a, a week later, <laughs> I finally looked at what does that, you know, longer mantra mean? And it's known as the the great death conquering mantra. Wow. And so that's where I was just like, you know what? There's so much in this world that I don't know anything that's, about. But yeah. That's this significant. Your thing is something that stays in my life. Yeah. That's significant. Jesus. Man, I'm going to have to look into I need to get started. <laughs> I, I've been saying forever. <clears throat> reconnecting with Adam, maybe we'll, we'll make that happen. Yeah. But uh, are you hearing worthwhile for anybody in, in your headphones? I'm hearing some things in my headphones. I'm hearing nothing. Yeah? No. I'm hearing uh, the guy's master control a little bit in my headphones. I think I just hear him because I can hear him through the wall. Oh, okay. I don't well, think it's in your headphones directly. It, it... Hey, look who's uh, joining us in the chat. My buddy Max. Yeah. My nephew. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Max? Welcome, Max. Nice. <laughs> Adam, this is, I mean, I'm getting a total refresher. You know, everything that you said in your presentation when I saw you speak about this recharging. stuff, really is just like, I'm right there with you again, right. man. Um, because again, I've had these feelings about ancient sites. So when I heard it, just making that connection and understanding like energy, the movement of energy is not woo woo. It's not some like, you know, just cause you can't see it. We can't crystal see electricity, toten, you know, well, unless uh, it's in a lightning bolt. You know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. it has these connotations of you. You talk about this stuff, vortexes, yeah. and but man, I mean, you you can only you have to experience it. Like I'm a believer because I experienced it in multiple different situations. Right. right. Um, but uh, you know, you just you'll never know until you you're around something like this. And you got to be open. Tap into it. I think he said it too earlier. You got to be open to it. You, you know, if you're totally closed down to the idea, you know, mm -hmm. uh, again, like. You, you can't be open to the point where you believe everything, right? And okay, mm -hmm. everything is real. And no, that's not what I'm saying either. But if you're if you're totally closed off and you're not even willing to try yeah. some of these experiences and and, and kind of um, subject matters, you really can't come in with that mindset. You you as a person have to be open minded to let it kind of happen. Yep. Um, and that's tough for a lot of people, you know, especially. Tough. It's it's not an easy thing to do, and, and myself included. But you know where I find uh, the best practice is: Hey, I don't have any experience with this. Why don't I give it a try? And again, with saying the mantra from the Ram Das book, like, did I ever really think it would do anything? No, but I know when I used to do it very often, I had the same kind of like not uh, dodging trucks or anything, but the synchronicities, <laughs> the life started playing out in front of me a little bit to where I was like, almost like, am I making things happen? Or are they happening? Mm -hmm. You know, that, mm -hmm. that level of, you know, I have to get back into that. Yep. My chant I know was that, uh, Om Namah yeah, Shivaya. That was my go-to oh. chant. I don't know. Yeah. There's something about the, you know, there's a few chants that, that I really like, but mm -hmm. Om Namah Shivaya, no idea why. Mm -hmm. But when I sing along with that, oh, bro, it, it like I'll sing that and, and just chant. Where did you get that? My kids, when they were babies, I would... Uh, 
Do you remember? Kirtan, uh, Sanskrit chanting oh. on Spotify. Like um, Ram Dass's buddy, um, Krishna, Krishna Das. Okay. He's the former lead singer of Blue Oyster, Blue Oyster Cult. Oh. Who became geez. a worldwide Kirtan, Kirtan singer. phenomenon, yeah. like singer. He went over there uh, f- shortly after Ram Das did. And Nareem Karoli Baba man. was his guru, just like yeah. Ram Das. Yeah. And he, you know, when he passed away, it was like really hard on Ram Das and yeah. went through all these things. But, mm. um, but he also had a great quote about when he met his guru and he was like, you know, with um, um, Leary at the time, right? And they were heavily into the psychedelics. And, and that was mm-hmm. one of the first things that Ram Das did. His guru was like, Give me some of that medicine you brought with you. He, he and brought it yogi says, medicine. He's like, what do you mean? What, what medicine? What are you talking about? He's like, I know you brought medicine with you. He's like, give me some of it. So medicine. Ram Das recounts. He's like, I gave him like a, you know, a hundred milligram hit or microgram hit. Huge hit. And like, uh, you know, an hour later or two hours later, his yogi comes back. Give me another hit. And Ram Das is like, this guy's crazy. He gives him another one. And like an hour or two later, he comes back. Give me another one. So he like triples or quadruples what is normal. And Ram Das is just like, he's, he, he can't understand what's happening. So he's like, how are you doing this? And the guy was like, this is how I am all the time. This is what my meditation does for me. This is the state I'm Chanting. always in. Your medicine doesn't affect me because that's where my there. mindset is. He's already there. And Ram Das said it was effectively of like, you know, when you get the message, you he hang did up it the twice. phone. And that was his relationship with psychedelics. He said, when I got the message, I hung up the receiver end and I went, I, you know, like George Harrison from the Beatles as well, you know, when they met the Maharishi, um, you know, they, some people that maybe either they have that inclination or they understand it or take enough time to practice it because it didn't happen overnight. Again, it doesn't just, you do one uh, mantra or one yagna and, and you're there. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. It's like a diet. You're not going to get there in one day of going, hey, I didn't eat carbs today. He did it consistently yeah. for two weeks. And then on the, the two weeks, it was like, oh, boy. Consistency pays off in all things. This is something. Time and patience and effort. Because, I mean, you got to meditate for a long yes, months and months to really get anywhere with it. Right. Agni Hotra, two weeks? That's yeah. powerful, man. Well, that's it's, it. it's an accelerator pedal. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Putting the intention you behind know, and, it, too. And I'm glad you mentioned kind of that psychedelic connection because i think one thing that's important to mention to people as they're about to you know potentially embark into their inner landscape for maybe the first time is it's going to present itself in all sorts of interesting ways voices sounds sights feelings um and it's important to be grounded and to have some kind of community around you mm-hmm. um, because you can experience some things that you have no context for, right. you know, mm-hmm. nothing before. But I would just say in that same kind of set and setting of psychedelics of if something comes up, be curious about it, you know, ask right. it questions. If to you, it might look like some creepy thing yep. and just, you know, kind of that whole thing of introduce yourself to it and ask it what it has to teach you. And right. then the scary parts kind of dissolve and the learning has an opportunity to. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's no running point. from it. No. When you're faced with that in a journey and you try to run from right. it, that's what we call a bad trip, ladies and gentlemen. There are ways to not have a bad trip, but you have to be okay with being completely freaked out and letting it all go. I think that's, that's where it gets dark. People cannot let go. They want to control what's happening and they just, 
you know, as soon as you wow. let it, and then it, it controls an illusion. And that's Nothing's your, under control. Your ego is holding on just, for just dear life. Watch None of Donnie this Darko. makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Have that airplane engine crash through the roof. You know, even that movie talks about what we're talking about here with that ability to kind of see that pathway. And, you know, he has that question of like, if you can see your own path, you know, what does that mean? And how does that mm. literally it does. It's, you know, it's, I won't say final destination ish, but it's like this. You like haven't mentioned a earlier. movie reference yet, and you just did two right in a row. Well, Necro, that's a world record. Well, I'll say this: Necro <laughs> and Flutz took my uh, where I was going to go with it. Because when you were yeah. saying your chant, I almost yeah. thought it was like the dude that gets put in the. the Shiva, I know, but yeah. if you say it fast, yeah. the guy from Temple of well, you, you Doom, when he's getting put down oh, the fire yeah. pit, that's, that's what, what he says. He's think, uh, I think he's saying that. Right, he is. Um, um, Shiva, um, um, Shiva, he um, is. Shiva. And he's like getting... Yes, the guy that's just going to be sacrificed oh, he right gets before roasted. Yeah. They get, uh, the, the woman gets captured. Molaram rips his heart out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, and Strange road you know, detour. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. You got to take a couple turns to know where you're going. What's happening, everybody? You were just listening to Adam Russell, Agni Hotra, and Land Regeneration, Episode 21, Part 1. That was an incredible conversation. Adam is so knowledgeable when it comes to this stuff. It really, really blew our minds. We're making connections to ancient technology and bringing that forward into the modern age, and we were just scratching the surface. The best part is, part two of this episode will be out next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And if you guys like this kind of stuff, check out all the links in the description. Adam and Symbiosis Texas are always up to new projects, new information, and so please go follow them and stay in contact. And also, you can follow us at The Strange Road on all major social media platforms. Uh, keep listening. And if you haven't made it over to the YouTube channel yet, hit subscribe. Uh, hit that notification bell so you can stay uh, tuned to whenever our live streams hit. We really appreciate the heck out of all you guys. Thank you so very much. Take care.